Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome in to episode 51 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, it's the goodest of good brothers, TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, man? What's going on? Oh, you know, just enjoying a Saturday, being tired as heck. Going back to the gym these last few weeks has absolutely knackered me PT, so I'm just like existing and trying not to fall asleep right now. Getting back in the grind, especially early on, those first couple days, those first couple weeks. If you can get over that hump and try to get in a bit of that rhythm, it does get better. I know I've fallen off myself, to be fair, but good on you for trying to get back in Get yourself sorted, get yourself situated, trying to work on yourself. I need to do better at that. I've been putting my attention to other places, but yeah, man, congrats on just, yeah, working on you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Like, I've just been doing so much for myself this year and just, you know, taking stock of what I need to do and move forward. And this was another goal that I set for myself years ago. Need to get back to the gym, need to get back to the gym. And I was always making that excuse. I don't want to, I don't. But then it just kind of came to the point where I was like, I used to go to the gym five days a week, every day after gym, after work rather. And I was just like, I loved going to the gym. It was my happy place for a long period of time. And then it just wasn't. And now I need to make it my happy place again. And it, it's so far I'm going twice a week. We'll build that up, build that up. And then, you know, I'll be a bit better and I'll be happier in myself and stuff. And you know, it is, it's just a, a long, long process that, has taken a long path to get here, but uh, yeah, I'm tired as heck, and I hate I hate myself right now. <laughs> Very much likewise, I was in in the gym five days a week as well, and yeah, just for whatever reason, because of life took me on a different path, it became less and less, and eventually it stopped going for a while. So I feel you, man. Especially in we're in the spring, and it's gonna be summer uh, soon. So, I mean, you don't have to necessarily wait till like the January or like the New Year's for like a resolution. You can, I mean, any day is as good of any day to kind of start something new or anything like that. You don't have to wait for a new year, a new month, a new week or something. You can, you can start today, you can start tomorrow, you can start something simple. So yeah, good, good on you, brother. And I'm happy for you. Cheers, I appreciate it. I think that's what put me off, dude, at the start of the year was like, everybody always goes back at the start of the year. You have uh, always, don't know, I don't know if you ever noticed it, but whenever I was at the gym all the time, it was like, you always noticed an influx of new people around January, and then they were gone by February. <laughs> I didn't want to be one of those people. I didn't want to be seen as, I've never seen that guy here before. So we're going to uh, just count down the days until he's gone. Uh, so I've, I've, I've kind of snuck in here in may uh you know hopefully i'll be part of the furniture soon and then that'll be it i've definitely noticed that when i went regularly i'm not a big fan of a of crowded places not that i have agoraphobia but just you know a little bit of just uh too many people too much noise too much kind of situation so i would go try to go at off peak hours the because i worked a lot of second or afternoon shift or graveyard or overnight however you'd like to delineate it so those were kind of actually decent times to go when i finished work 
So, you know, there'd be maybe a handful of people and myself in a gym like that. But yeah, I'd noticed that for sure. Um, it was one of those where I was like, well, hopefully this person sticks around. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But it is what it is. But yeah, if much like yourself and for Joker, if you're listening or watching, hopefully you're doing well right now and you're taking steps to hopefully take care of yourself and just try to be the best version of you as you can. So we hopefully you're doing your thing and we're trying to do ours. And thanks for coming along on this journey with us. All right. So with that, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash kayfabe council and in audio form wherever you get your podcast from. On this week's episode, we look at the WWE World Heavyweight Championship Tournament and Don Callis betraying Kenny Omega. So, coming up first. The WWE World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Of course, this is now into fruition. We saw Triple H again a number of weeks back announced that in addition to the draft, we were going to have a new World Heavyweight Championship. Of course, that debuted a couple weeks back. They've been displaying it on the shows proper in the recent weeks. But now, this past week, we've gotten full-fledged into a tournament to decide the champion. So, on Monday Night Raw, we ended up having two sets of triple threat matches. The first of which was Damian Priest versus Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And I didn't realize that this is a match that I needed until we had this match. Very much of a fun match, and I gotta say, honestly, it's like solid work by all the men involved. It's an iteration I don't think we've seen before, but it was pretty solid. But we see the finish of the match sees South of Heaven blocked with knees from Nakamura and kicks to the injured leg of Priest, having injured it the previous nights on the Saturday before at Backlash in his match with Bad Bunny. Shinsuke rolls through into a knee bar in the middle of the ring. Damien is struggling, but Rollins, out of nowhere, from the top rope, hits a frog splash. Seth Rollins wins by pinfall on Nakamura. Seth Rollins advances. And then we end up seeing the second triple threat match. Cody Rhodes versus Finn Balor versus The Miz. Another interesting matchup here. But we see the finish of the match sees Cody hitting a crossroads on Balor, but The Miz sneaks in, tries to steal it. Rhodes gets back into the ring to break it up. Crossroads on Miz. Hangs on. For another one, then hangs on for the trifecta. But Brock Lesnar runs in, forehead glued together, and lays Cody out with an F5. And then back in the ring, Finn goes to the top and hits a coup de gras onto the Miz for Finn Balor as well to advance. So, Joker, what were your thoughts on these two triple threat matchups on Raw? I thought they were fine. I thought there were uh, we had some fun combinations of individuals here. Uh, I definitely want to see a one-on-one with uh, Cody versus Finn. Um, I'd really like to see some of that action. Um, I think the uh, the fact that Damian Priest was in this match was something that I 
th- I thought it was pretty fun, it was pretty good, and it was one of those that it elevated him into the ranks of, well, these guys are all former champions, which only with the exception of a couple of people, if you look at across the board, um, of all the competitors, with the exception of a couple of people, they're all former top champs. Um, and him being one of them, you look at it and go, well, he's on their level. Like, he's he's currently fighting uh, Shinsuke and Seth, like, two absolute units in the world. Um, and then we had um, The Miz in the other match, who is, you know, a very good hand, very good, uh, very good wrestler. And former former couple time world champ uh, against Cody's lack of any championships um, at the top. So you know the exceptions. Uh, so it's always good to have the more experienced hand in the Miz in the ring with with the up and comer Cody here. Uh, obviously, you know I love Cody, but I love the Miz too, and I can't help but I can't help but like the Miz. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought they were really good matches. Um, there was definitely no surprises that came out of this. Yeah, it was one of those matches, like I said, the, the first one, Priest, Rollins, and Nakamura. Really, really solid match. They worked really well together, and it was just all-around fun, and I thought it flowed very well. And likewise with uh, Cody and Finn and Miz. Another interesting matchup I don't think I've ever seen before. I think we've gotten one Cody and Finn match before. Uh, leading into Mania, want to hit Cody's warm-up matches, but yeah, I think it was these the second one. These guys did a, a, a decent job. Decent's the wrong word, but did a solid job of working well together. The triple threat matches can always be interesting. Just trying to figure out, you know, maybe dump one to the outside, have a little one-on-one, and then kind of swap the partners and everything. So, I think yeah, the first two matches, which happened, believe in the first hour of Raw. Really just kind of helped make it fun, and I, yeah, I thought with Rollins and Finn coming out the victors, I thought they were fine choices. To, and taking nothing away from any one of these six men, I think outside of The Miz, I could definitely see a Priest, a Rollins, a Nakamura, Cody, and Finn in being put into a Potentials Finals match. I think obviously the favorites would have been Rollins, Cody, and Finn, uh, but taking nothing away from Priest and Nakamura, if they had made it into there as well, I think it would have been totally kind of fine from a perception standpoint. So yeah, I was good with Seth and Finn making it to there. What do you, what'd you think? Honestly, I, I would tend to agree, but I would also add The Miz in there because I, I think that what The Miz brings is this opinion of himself that everybody hates him for being that uh, kind of that kind of hail that you'd love to hate, like he's just there and you, you don't want him, him him to succeed. So maybe having him progress to the semi-final might have been a really good point to be like, oh no, the Miz might do it. Like, oh no, <laughs> because he's really good and the people he's in there with are super good at selling, which just adds to the drama of oh my god, is is Miz gonna? beat Seth Rollins like that would have been fun for me um instead we got a decent match you know I'm not gonna not gonna deny that we can't just sit here and say oh I'm so disappointed I got this Seth Rollins Finn Balor match like way 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 what was me 
Um, so I, I think that the, the, the fact that we had the Miz in there in the first place was a good call. Um, it was a serious lack of use, and we'll see it more predominantly in SmackDown matches, but serious lack of use of the fact that this was a triple threat match, which has no, has no countouts, no rope breaks, no whatever. Um, there was actually only one match that really made use of it to any degree, and it was on SmackDown. I probably would have liked to have seen more of that, but considering you think about it, a lot of the, the first six guys aren't particularly known for their submission maneuvers. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of those that triple threat matches, while fun, were obviously here used for expediency. Like We want to get this tournament over and done with in one night. Yeah, agreed. Taking nothing away from The Miz. Strong worker. He's been in the Fed for, God, it's going to be almost 20 years in a couple of years soon. That's crazy enough. So, but yeah, like I said, decent worker. I mean, he pretty much can work well with a lot of folks, can sell. You know, he doesn't have a crazy moveset, which can potentially injure folks. So you just want somebody to boo and have a, have a decent match with. You put The Miz in there. and. As a reason why he was one of the six guys on the raw side to be put in there. So there you go. But the aforementioned Finn Balor and Seth Rollins semi-final match on Raw. This was a nice homage to the runback of SummerSlam 2016. Same matchup here, but this was instead of for the inaugural Universal Championship, this is for a shot at the renowned or the new revisited in a sense wwe world heavyweight championship but it was another sort of apropos homage again seth and finn really working well together and the callback of course to the set SummerSlam match with in this case finn power bombing seth into the barricade so nice little poetic touch there but we see once again the finish of the match sees seth hitting a one-armed pedigree but finn kicks out and then lying in wait, Finn ducks a stomp and the schoolboy roll through, but Seth just pushes Finn's face down into that mat with, I guess, a sort of inverted stomp, if you'd like to call it. And then Seth, waiting in, charges in and hits the stomp on Finn, pins him to win and advances to the finals of the tournament at Night of Champions. What do you think of this particular match? It was always a nice touch when these two guys can get into the ring once again. A little bit of that flavor in the callback to the SummerSlam match. I thought it was solid all around, honestly. Definitely was. Serious lack of buckle bombs. Serious lack of shoulder surgery. Um, can't say that I was very uh, happy about that. I mean, no. We, yeah, actually, I'm super excited by that because we get to keep Finn Balor around for a little bit longer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jokes aside, it, like these two guys were bloody amazing uh, in the ring. It's fun to see them just throw things around, and um, I, I, I can't say that. Given recent performances, I can't say that I'm as in love with the stomp as a move anymore. Like I get it, you know, we're kind of in the era of now overusing finishers we see you know people having to do cody for example if we're gonna if we're gonna slander people we may as well slander my favorite 
Cody having to do multiple crossroads on people to get pinfalls kind of makes it look like that finisher's not that significant. When we see people like uh, Seth Rollins have multiple finishers, we have him with the stomp and the pedigree. Uh, but he has to do like a million stomps and then he has to do a, a stomp off the top rope. I, I question whether or not uh, we actually have finishers these days. Uh, and I feel like this match sort of suffered from that a little tiny bit. Uh, but maybe it's because we'd seen Seth and, and Cody, or not Seth and Cody, Seth and Finn in these matches previously. So we got to see their, you know, it's not often we get to see performers perform multiple times a night. So maybe that was probably the prevailing factor. Um, other than that, fun match. Love to see it. Love the victory because, you know, I called it. So, lol. And the notion of guys fighting multiple times a night, tournaments are not the hugest of things on a grand scale, especially in a one-night situation. But if you're going to have guys work multiple matches in a single night, Seth and Finn, cardio machines, a variety of moveset, can work with a lot of different guys, can sell as well. Strong choices, honestly. And again, they were able to work well in their first match and then obviously work well together and, and give some some of that as well. I think it was like 15 or so minute match at the end of Raw. But honestly, I'll circle back one final time. Of the six men from Raw, are you still good with Seth representing Raw at Night of Champions? 100%. Called Seth to win it. Called Seth to win this portion of it. Called Seth to win the entire thing. Given who wins who wins the SmackDown side, I'm perfectly fine with being wrong. But like, you know, I am super stoked that uh we got Seth going uh Seth going through here. Fair play. And speaking of SmackDown, we look at those matchups here. The first one of which AJ Styles versus Edge versus Rey Mysterio. And this was another one that felt like it was three men being comfortable with one another, and this is another one example of working well together. We see the finish of the match. Edge ducks under a phenomenal forearm, blocks a 619, slaps the educator on a Rey Mysterio with AJ down and out. With AJ Styles crawling around, Edge breaks the hold and applies it on AJ instead. And he goes to try to break it up in the ropes. But Ray hits a 619 to break that up, and Ray dives, but Edge counters. Styles is in position and hits Edge with a phenomenal forearm and gets the pin, with AJ Styles advancing to the semifinals. The second match on SmackDown as well Austin Theory taking on Bobby Lashley and Sheamus. And while the first matchup here on SmackDown was a little bit more of a uh, sort of higher-paced or sort of athletic one, this was just a a hard-hitting affair. Guys just taking slams and just getting wrecked. But here, the finish of the match in this one sees Sheamus hitting an avalanche white noise on Theory, which looked a rough landing there. Lashley ends up, cuts Sheamus off with a spear. And then Theory tries to steal the win, but Sheamus kicks out. Lashley is bleeding from the forehead, presumably after hitting the ring post. Uh, Bobby blocks an A-town down and hits him with that high, 
high jumped one armed choke slam. Slaps in the hurt lock and tries to keep it in. And Theory is just trying to, with a very athletic move, I gotta say, jumping up and trying to get on the ropes to try to roll out of it and get some leverage. But we see the brogue kick connects on Theory. Lashley throws Sheamus out of the ring. And Lashley advances with a pinfall on Austin Theory. So once again, Joker, your thoughts on these two SmackDown triple threats? Yeah, the first one was very good with the actual use of the the triple threat, no rules uh, kind of addition here. Uh, You saw the calf crusher being applied uh, multiple times, which is great. Uh, You saw the educator being... um, Applied a couple of times as well, uh, multiple times to to the likes of Rey Mysterio, who was trying to get to the rope, and everybody was like, "Well, you can't do anything. You got to suck it up, Buttercup. Wait for the other guy to come and help you." Um, and I liked the whole just Ed screaming "tap" and then looking at uh, looking at um, AJ AJ while he was while he was crawling around on the floor. So it, it was it was really good. I liked it. Um, you had. Uh, I think there was a tweet earlier on I saw and I, I'm kicking myself for not having it, but I think it was, it was like the between the three of them, they're 48, 48, and 49 years of age, like you know, all three of them. Uh, I can't remember who who is what, but like for three almost 50-year-old guys, this was a super fun match, super uh super athletic, super fun. Uh and I really enjoyed it. For the second one. I was, I'm, wee, I'm still a wee bit annoyed that we still have to see Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley um, week in, week out. Like, I really wish we could get those two separated. Um, because the unfortunate thing is, for the ending of this match, we got the visual pin on Theory, which is something Bobby hasn't been able to do. Now, does that put him in contention with... Uh, theory continually now that he's got the visual pin i don't know but it was nice to see the fact that whenever the match started theory got out of dodge sheamus and sheamus and bobby just looked at each other and just went let's go and uh you just seen the two boys just go out and be like look kid this is gonna happen just let it happen and they beat the tar out of him it was fun to see then they went to war it was fun uh it was just a big heavy hitting match uh, you know how I feel about the heavy hitting match and Bob Olasho, uh, especially Seamus in there. Love the avalanche white noise. He looked like he was a bit wobbly getting up there, um, so it was a wee bit, wee bit scary for the for the time being. And then you just had Theory just kind of shaking, going, "No, don't do it." Um, I, I was I was a little bit concerned we were going to do a backlash and uh, throw, you know, because we got Bobby out of the way and then Bobby came back and you know broke up the pin. Uh, but then to spin that back around and throw uh, throw Shamo out the ring and get the get the pin um, on theory, uh, it, it was nice. It was it was all right. Um, definitely uh, two biceps out of two for this uh, for this sort of match. It was definitely big, heavy hitting, athletic, and fun. Yeah, another just big meaty men slapping meat match, which is never a bad thing. Like, again, another iteration of the Austin Theory-Bobby Lashley setup. Seen it in triple threats. We've seen it in singles matches. These guys just can't seem to get away from one another. But once again, you are right. The Bobby getting that visual pin on Austin Theory. 
it does lead credence for them to continue feuding and to have yet another match i think it's one of those two theories to work with bobby obviously a veteran works to his advantage but it's one of those diminishing returns piece and i think it's just have one more match and then just have these guys separate and like we talked about on the previous episode if they have another match maybe it's good for bobby to win but then again you don't want to slow theory's momentum unless you really you have a plan for him to do something afterwards if it's away from the belt but it's interesting combination to have put those two together because they have the heat from the previous matches but it's like all right well either way this is going to continue but let's move past a little bit of that but yeah i gotta say with the selection of these six men from smackdown this was another one i could see any of the six men had been in the finals per se with and once again, the favorites most likely being AJ Styles, Edge, and Lashley, Lashley, excuse me. But you can totally see uh, Mysterio, a Sheamus, or a Theory had been in a potential finals match against a Raw competitor. Uh, probably a, one of the favorites, like we mentioned earlier, like a Seth Rollins or a Finn, for example, but to potentially play a little bit of a spoil sport. But interesting selection of the six men. Obviously, a lot of veterans, this slightly younger guy in theory. I was trying to think of who on the SmackDown roster. I, I mean, the only kind of person that comes to mind, they chose not to put in Karrion Cross, which was obviously when he first came back last summer. It was meant to be kind of a big deal in that confrontation with Drew and Roman during that segment. But I don't know. It's for whatever reason, the guy's solid. You know, there's something there about him, but just at the moment right now, maybe it's not clicking. Perhaps it's the booking, whatever it may be, but he, being Karrion Cross, was not chosen to be in one of the two triple threat matches of the six men. Either with that, I was okay with Styles and Lashley advancing, so I was good with that. With the fact that Karrion has uh, had his eyes set on Nakamura, um, I was expecting if he was to be anywhere, he'd be on that side, and he would have faced in the triple threat. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. That, that's, that is one sort of person that I'm... I like his, I like his feature. I like, I like Karrion Cross's character. Um, it's not clicking for the rest of the world um i don't know what what it is we're sort of trying to do with him the booking seems a wee bit off so i'm i'm okay with him not being here um but I'm equally a little bit disappointed uh in terms of like the the six guys i think really there was only going to be four uh that was going to really go through for me and that was going to be bobby lashley it was going to be well bobby lashley out of the the three three and then the other three Rey Mysterio Edge and AJ um those were the only four that in my opinion could have been potentially uh pushed up um because I just don't feel like Sheamus is in that position anymore uh and I feel like Austin is sort of him to go against Seth Rollins again he lost to Seth Rollins lost the US title and stuff and uh so I mean it would have been a fun little throwback but I just don't think 
I would want him to go to a semifinal anyway. Um, but equally, it's just one of those that there didn't feel to me uh, to be any other good choices. Um, now, if I was to replace one or two people, I'm going to selfishly put in LA Knight because, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, he was pulled from a segment this this week, which is a little bit annoying. Um, so hopefully, we'll see him next week. Uh, we have we have Grayson Waller uh, making his uh, making his debut. I would have liked to see him uh, somehow wrangle his way into it because I feel like he really would have pushed the buttons well of Bobby and Sheamus. Like instead of a instead of an uh, an Austin, I think he would have been fun to slot in there just just because. Um, but yeah, like if if we're talking different people anyway. Uh, but yeah, we'll 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 see how uh how the stories for these other guys shake out. There's definite um there's definite credence for uh continuing feuds between Bobby and Austin, which I don't like, and I believe. Mentioning uh, Grayson Waller, he has a Grayson Waller effect show next week with the winner of this week's uh, this week's final semi-final match. In uh, uh, I don't know why that is. I really don't. Yeah, he is going to have his talk show against the SmackDown winner next week. So yeah, yeah. So a little soft introduction for him to. The SmackDown portion in their audience that may not be familiar with him from NXT, so uh, it's a it's a way to introduce them and slowly work him into the show itself. But interesting collection once again of the six men. I'm looking at the matchup: three faces, AJ, Edge, and Ray in the first match, and then two faces and a heel with Bobby, Sheamus, and then the heel being Theory. So very face heavy on the SmackDown side. For the representation, but I mean, either way, like we mentioned, it ended up working out with the SmackDown final match being AJ Styles versus Bobby Lashley. So uh, I found it a little interesting. The beginning portion is a bit of a standoff at the opening of the match. It was almost as if Lashley may have been a little lightheaded from the blood loss, perhaps, or maybe they were just waiting for each other to start and kind of take the first shot, whatever it may be. It's something that I just noticed at the opening portion of the match. But we see the finish here. Uh, Bobby gets AJ up on his shoulders for running power slam, but it's not enough for the pinfall. Lashley goes back to the hurt lock, but is blocked with some elbows, and Lashley clobbers AJ down, lines him up for a spear, but AJ sidesteps, and Bobby eats that ring post hard. So that sound and then another instance of him going into the ring post a la the first matchup here we saw. With that, Styles springboards back in, hits him with a phenomenal forearm, pins Bobby and advances to face Seth Rollins at the Night of Champions tournament final. So what were your thoughts on this matchup here? So yeah, it was a really good clash of styles, uh, no pun intended here, for the, the match between Bobby and AJ. I really like the fact that we have AJ coming back. Um, this is his first, not only his first match back after being off for so long, but he has two in one night. 
And you're like, okay, cool. Like we saw we saw him last week with the OC and stuff, but this was his first time actually back since uh since returning to the ring. And the man hasn't lost a step. I love to see AJ. Uh love to see that he's healthy and he's and he's thriving and he's uh, back doing the wrestling and entertaining. Um and I just I don't know. I just thought that they told the story really well from the concussion, um, the blood loss, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, from the earlier match with Bobby, um, because he had this massive welt on the like the top of his head, uh, where he was thrown into the state of steps, uh, probably you know clipped the post, whatever it was, um, which I thought was really really good. Uh, because that again, using the uh, using everything you have in the uh, in the triple threat rules, the slow start. We even had weird Barrett saying, you know, oh, you know, go and go and uh, donate blood, <laughs> and they tell you don't do anything strenuous uh, for at least thirty minutes. And it's like, well, it's been thirty minutes, but they definitely don't tell you to have a full blown wrestling match, um, which is what Bobby's doing here. So the drowsiness, the wooziness, um, played up to really well here. Uh, but you know you, you can't stop Bobby Lashers. He's a different breed of people. He just absolutely nails everyone, uh, and AJ's no exception. I was a little like, even though we got uh, the win for AJ, I have to say I was a little bit disappointed. I wanted Bobby Lashers to go through because I do love me Bobby Lashers. Um, and I'd love to see a belt around him again, especially considering we got the visual pin on Theory earlier in the night, and he didn't succeed in getting the US title a backlash. I was hoping we were going to move him on to bigger, better things. Unfortunately not. Um, eh, it is what it is, but we've got AJ in the uh, in the finals. Yeah, for sure. Solid match again. The they AJ and Bobby worked the match last year, so it hasn't been a ton of time. I was trying to think back. I was like, did they even fight in Impact slash TNA type of thing? But obviously oh, they've yeah. faced off in WWE. But that notwithstanding, yeah, I thought if hopefully Bobby Lashley's okay, he did have that big knot, and I think there might have been a fan video of him trying to crawl on the outside and get some medical attention, which was a little bit rough, and you just saw the blood pouring on the mat, on the padding, rather, on the outside. But we made it through, made it through to the second match here. Had a relatively safe match with AJ. Obviously, that, that last sort of ring shot, ring post shot looked a little rough, but by all accounts, they seem to be all right, so that's good. And with AJ coming away with the victory, we get Seth versus AJ at Night of Champions for the World Heavyweight Championship. I'm good with that, honestly. I think of all the folks we had been thinking of a Seth going into it, even I think in our previous episode, we thought maybe who could face him if it ended up being a SmackDown person. And we threw around the idea of AJ, which we were okay with as well. And now that we got that, I'm good with that. Are you good with that, brother? I am good with it. There was um, obviously fan uh, hope and desire uh, going into this that Edge would win, uh, obviously given an impassioned promo uh, through social media 
uh, about how he never lost the big gold in the first place. He had to give it up. Uh, and everybody immediately went from, I want Seth to win, to, oh my goodness, Edge has to win. You know, and all this here, like, shock band support. I'm like, you phony Seth Rollins fans, like, don't ever sing his song again. Um, <laughs> but I, I honestly, I think Seth is still the best choice. Um, even if Edge had have won and offered in that sort of that fan support, that rallying that he he was generating, I still would have wanted Seth uh, because I just feel like right now the position that he's in and the position that he was in last year with Cody, he's just he can do no wrong. Like he's just amazing and. I love seeing some backstage segments with him and uh, and Becky, his wife, and uh, whenever you see some backstage segments with, from WrestleMania where he he's doing his his red coat, like he came out in this big red coat and they're having the conversation, it's like Seth is just like, "I told you it would be crazy," and Becky Lynch is stood there just after a match, going, "Can't believe this! I'm so effing jealous right now." <laughs> it's like, "Look, I told you." <laughs> And he's just stood there like a prima donna. He he just brings so much joy to me, and he's he's amazing. And I think this opportunity should go to him first. Um, but like I said, given who his opponent is now, I don't mind being wrong. I don't think I'm wrong though, because AJ and the OC were just drafted SmackDown. This is a raw title, regardless of what you're doing. I think this is going on Seth. But either way, we're going to have a banger, banger, banger of a match. Yeah, too high impact and just fun to watch individuals and Seth and AJ. And I think when we get to the Night of Champions match, it's going to be a solid performance. And folks will probably enjoy the match and we will get a new champion crowned at Night of Champions. But to pivot just slightly, we mentioned it earlier. During the Raw portion, Mr. Brock Lesnar comes in, interferes in Cody's triple threat match, and goes ahead and takes him out. With Brock, he ends up putting Cody through the announce table at ringside and gets on the mic. He asks Cody what he wants to talk about before demanding, we look at his face! Brock says he wants to talk about himself over and over and over again. Nassif Rhodes will take credit for it before telling Cody he lucked into that victory and he wants to talk about a fight. A fight. A fight! Brock wants a fight. And at Night of Champions, a fight. Brock asks Cody what he has to say. Cody's out of it. So Brock just asks who the coward is now before dropping the mic. On Cody and then we find out later on in Raw confirmed we're getting another matchup between Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes at said pay-per-view night of champions Brock has to win this one right am I wrong or Brock's winning this one first of all could we just go back to the point where you know this mug here said exactly this would happen like boys this is just silly child's play now but pay me. Come on, I'm doing a job. I'm joking, of course. Um, I, yeah, he does have to win this, right? Because 
it has to set up that third match. Like we're getting three of these matches. I I feel like this is how we're booking Cody. We give him an opponent. He has three matches. He comes out on top. Whereas with with Cody versus Seth, he won all the matches. I feel like he's going to lose this match because the uh, the, the the sort of pace dictates that it's Brock Lesnar. You don't three zero Brock Lesnar. <laughs> you get one over on him, and then he messes you up, and then you can kind of beat him. Like it it was it was the um it was the sort of formula that we were going with with Bobby Lashley where we saw Brock beat Bobby Lashley because he had the hurt lock on him and then Brock pushed him back and got the pin so Brock if you want me to answer the question I'm never going to say this to your face but you're the big card because you couldn't beat Bobby Lashley square even though in the hurt lock both Bobby's shoulders were off the mat he beat you and then you attack a man from behind in a match that's already going on. Come on, Brock. Where are you at? Don't fight me, bro. <laughs> like, it was just one of those things. The promo here was bloody awful. This was terrible. Like, I want to fight. Fight me. Fight. Fight. Fight, 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 fight. All right, fighty face. Calm down. Your guy is lying in a heap on the floor and you're just shouting look at my face my face is amazing like a paraphrase of look at my horse for some reason and it's just <sighs> this this part of the show actually made me cringe it was so bad pt like i don't understand who thought this would be fun or good Every once in a while, like we were mentioning, we're a fan of the newer iteration of Brock, the sort of cowboy Brock, him just taking the mic and having fun and doing all these things. And we're now seeing Brock speaking for himself. So every once in a while, for every fun and unhinged Brock promo or segment that we get, we get one of these just insane, brutal, even more unhinged Brock promos of him just it's not quite Owen kicked his leg out of his leg moment but it's just one of those look at my face I want to fight if you repeat those things you're gonna know what I want to get across and we got that across we ended up getting to the finish line with the fact that Brock is mentioning damn he wants another fight with Cody we got there so it is what it is we ended up getting now confirmed, like we said, with the match with Cody and Brock. At the time of recording, there is no stipulation. It's just uh, a fight. It might be a most likely like a no DQ style, whatever you want to call it. The hundreds of iterations, no holds barred, street fight, whatever you want to call it, but most likely a no DQ. And the notion of if... Brock most likely gets his win back. It's got to set up that third match for Money in the Bank, which is the next pay-per-view after, right? It makes the most sense. Cody's, like you said, had that booking with fighting folks multiple times, so especially last year before the injury. But yeah, it's, it's got to set up that match in the UK at Money in the Bank. I mean, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. Like, 
literally it looks like we get the Brock match coming to the UK, which would be a huge draw. And it also keeps Cody out of the Money in the Bank match, which is another avenue for him to challenge for a title whenever he wants. Uh, keeping him out of the Money in the Bank ladder match, which is what he was supposed to do last year, is fine for me because we do have this thing with Brock, who is a bit of a roadblock now. Um, I'd like to see this continue to then finish at Money in the Bank and then we have uh, Cody go on and do whatever and Brock go on and have a Brock holiday, which is what he should have done after Mania because this is his summertime. Um, definitely is one of those that you look at and you go, do they even need to add a stipulation to this match? Because if it's just going to be a fight, fight me, look at my face. Um, then they're just gonna have a normal match. I I don't I don't really think that giving Brock a no DQ match matters. That's just for Brock's opponent to have a bit of leverage. And if he's meant to win the match, I don't think we even give them that bonus. That might be a third match so that Cody can like, all right, Mother Trucker, I'm gonna take you to uh, Suplex City via steel chair city and you know and tabletop carnage and all this here and just put them you know it could just be something absolutely insane at money in the bank but the likelihood is it's just going to be a, another normal match um but yeah it's it's one of those do you think that this is uh interesting for a feud that we have going on or do you think like this is a bit of a stall tactic though Probably a little column A, a little column B. It's one of those with Cody losing to Roman at Mania. We need to... Part of the perception has built him back up. So how do you... Like in a hero story, you have to have him overcome obstacles. And Brock is always known as a, a big deal. We saw it 10 years ago with uh, John Cena having to face Brock and had a number of matches and, you know, kind of built him back up in a sense. So, yeah, I can see that with we need, we want it as a parlay for a story type of thing and, and on the road kind of back. So I can see that, but then it's also we're having the second match at Night of Champions, most likely the third match at Money in the Bank. The fourth match will probably have a stipulation at SummerSlam. So, I mean, we can get legs out of this we'll probably run it into the ground sooner rather than later uh the fifth match whatever is the it's a pay-per-view after SummerSlam. slam probably change the name a couple of times anyway but yeah this is this is going to be happening for a moment rock doesn't kind of give up easy we saw that with the bobby lashley piece where they ended up filtering he gave out up so. quite quickly yeah he gave up quite quickly they still haven't had their third match so he ends up with a weasel away to continue this feud, but yeah, that'll be that'll be something. So I feel like it's part story, part stall. Maybe we don't have the next thing for Cody set up quite yet, but Brock will do in the meantime. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I hope and pray that you're completely wrong, but there's a part of me that knows that you could be right. Uh, I want this over at Money in the Bank. Uh, we don't need a best of seven series um for this match and i really think that 
there's only room for one flap of a storyline uh, for for the company, and that is currently being held up by Roman and his absolute travesty of a of a promo that he had this week saying that oh we never talked about you losing at Mania and like bro that was that was like two months ago like where have you been Roman nobody cares about Mania we've had an entire pay per view since then what are you talking about Mania for Roman you mean the pay-per-view you should have lost that? So that's where I'm at with this whole if Brock and Cody go six more pay-per-views, like, please don't do that. You're already crushing uh, crushing two characters and, a be- and two belts with the, the Bloodline story. So take it off somewhere else, boys. They'll keep uh, Cody and Brock going through December, and then Cody can win the Rumble <sighs> in up. January. So no. you know, it is what it no, is. No, so. just stop. Just stop. Please don't upset. Part of me is being funny, but part of me is deep down might know it could be true. So that's the scary part. You're just trying to upset me now. I would never do that purposefully, maybe only playfully. (laughs) But with that, those were our thoughts on the WWE World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. We threw a little bit of the Brock Cody Splicey in there. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Us up on Twitter, Instagram, let us know what your thoughts were on the tournament itself and the final match of AJ versus Seth and Night of Champions. All right, the next topic here Kenny Omega betrayed by Don Callis. So, in the main event of AW Dynamite, we ended up seeing Kenny Omega come out with Don Callis during the entrances there. Ended up being a hard-fought matchup, of course, with John Moxley of the BCC in a cage match. Of course, started out with a brawl on the outside between the Elite and the Blackpool Combat Club. But once inside, Kenny and John were just taking shots at one another. We ended up seeing a barbed wire chair, and at one point, <laughs> Moxley fish hooks Omega's mouth with one of the turnbuckle posts, which was just something you don't see quite often. It, it actually reminded me of a, a War Games match because we were in a cage with the Sting's squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. Ended up making me think of that for some reason all those years back. But to escalate that, we ended up getting some broken glass, uh, which comes into play as Kenny counters a sleeper hold which Moxley's on his back, and he falls backwards onto the glass. This is Moxley. But the finishing sequence, Kenny V-triggers Moxley through the side of the cage. And then Mox gets, a, gets up and grabs a screwdriver, but Don Callis climbs in the cage to take it away. Kenny with a ripcord knee, a one-wing angel, but Callis spikes Kenny with the screwdriver to break up the pin. And it's over as John Moxley crawls over and wins the match with a pinfall. We see post-match referee Paul Turner tries to get Don Callis to leave, but he stands there and looks down at the stab wound on Kenny's forehead. Kenny gets to his knees. Don grabs him again, holding the screwdriver high. But he can't bring himself to drive it home a second time. He grabs Kenny's head, kisses his forehead before shoving him. To the mat. So a lot happened in that last 20 or so minutes of dynamite. Another cage match. 
Just these guys going for broke. It's probably one of the longest tenured feuds in AEW, dating back literally to their first event. The Double or Nothing 2019, right at the end, Moxley debuts and takes out Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, sparking two feuds that he's end up having through the threads up until now. But thoughts on thoughts on that match, man, and the uh, the ending. I, I wasn't interested in the match like at all because, like you said, we, we've seen this before, um, and it was very awkwardly shoehorned in. I, I understand there was story, but it was kind of just very lax. I want to say I wasn't feeling it really. It wasn't great, and we had this. Uh, we had this steel cage put in. Nice stipulation. We don't use it often. We talked about it before. Uh, you and I off 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 screen was talked about it that it, it's not used as often as a singular cage in AEW. We don't see many steel cage matches. So I thought, okay, cool, fine. Some nice nice uh, spots in there. The V-trigger through the cage was fun. Uh, it's definitely a hyped-up, talked-about um, moment on social media, for sure. As everybody's saying, it looked brutal with the way, uh, the way that Kenny landed, obviously, with his ankle on the thing and kind of basically landing on his face. Uh, the same with Mox just kind of flapping out and landed on his head. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. The glass spot, I like everybody else for a moment thought it was tax. Was excited to see some tax. Appalled to see some glass. Uh, yeah, don't know if you know, but at least you can gig on uh, you know, some of the thumbtacks and make them not real. That all looked like it was proper proper glass. <laughs> some of it was not smashed correctly. So uh, whenever Mox took that to the back, the bleeding on his back was uh, <laughs> kind of fun. Um, but yeah, it, it, the the main crux of this was Don Callis getting in the ring and costing his boy the match. Why? Just what 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 could have possessed him? And e- even though the last few weeks we've seen the sort of jealousy from Don Callis, let's say, towards the elite, towards the Young Bucks specifically. Uh, you never really thought this was going to happen, did you? Like, Don Callis and Kenny Omega, like, Don says he's like a son to him, so it was very interesting. Quite the long-term friendship between Kenny and Don. Grew up in Winnipeg. Had whereabouts that, uh, Don, obviously being uh, older than Kenny, so end up meeting him earlier on in Kenny's career, and they formed a friendship. It's been 20-plus years that they've known each other. Uh, familiar, like you said, John thinks of Kenny a bit more like a son as well. And Yeah, you've seen them in the connections more prominently during the event when Kenny and Chris Jericho in New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom. And Don helped kind of get that situated. And we saw Don on commentary and he mentioned, and there's a little bit of that history there on to when Don was working with Impact and they had a little bit of that partnership with AEW. And that's sort of kind of how Don 
worked his way on screen, at least in a kayfabe sense, to AEW. Kenny, he lined him with Kenny there, working on AEW television, managing slash seconding Kenny on into the impact piece with the belt collector, the whole thing. So there's the history there. And at the time of recording, Don has not responded with why he chose to do that. So I think really, yeah, the question is what, what's going on with, with Don. More recently, we saw the interview backstage and the BCC, John ended up sideswiping him and caused that huge laceration on Don's forehead end up getting all those staples and everything and then close that wound. And, you know, it felt like we had heat with Don and the BCC a la with Kenny and things of such against the elite as that was heating up. But the betrayal angle, we're left with a lot of questions. I mean, I'll be the first one, obviously, of what's going on. But, you know, is, is Don going on his own? Because obviously we don't have this notion of it's sort of an answer at the moment. So, I mean, like, There's a lot of questions to be asked, like, is he going on his own? Does he even align with the BCC? I mean, kind of. I'm not quite sure. It all depends on the situation with his contract. Um, Going outside of the realm of of kayfabe is really going to inform what happens next with Dom. If, If his contract is up and they don't really see anything for him he'll fizzle into the background but I don't, I don't see that happening because I feel like Kenny is going to want a measure of revenge he's going to want to uh, know why Don did it why this why that and what better way to get under the skin of Kenny Omega and the elite than to take away his mentor you know, heavily air quoted, um, uh, his friend Don Callis, uh, the guy who gets things done for him, and I feel like it's a it's a really good move if he joins the BCC. I I think that it's a better move for him to go that way than to go out on his own because he's not a wrestler. He he can't he can't wrestle, can he? He can't wrestle anybody. He was once upon a time a wrestler of some repute, but not anymore. When he got that, when he got knocked down by uh, by John Moxley, he for shoot got the, the the smash in the face, and it wasn't meant to happen. But he popped a gusher, so it was one of these things that you look at it and go, "Hmm, that was the main reason why everybody kind of went quiet on the, uh, the possible betrayal angle." I think is because of that accidental that little botch. So it worked out for the better for them. Which is why this has kind of come as a little bit more of a shock than all of the the red flags that we saw coming up to it. There were red flags there. The interference with uh, Hangman a while ago, if you remember uh, him trying to push Hangman away and him like cowering and saying, "Oh, what are you doing?" Like, and then um, you know this whole getting in John Moxley's face and it, it seemed a little bit too awkward. And then the stuff with the uh, the, the young box saying. No, you gotta, you gotta stay here. It's okay. Go, they can go to the hospital. They're all right. So, it took away a little bit of that seedy snakiness uh, that Don Callis just exudes. Um, and I feel like because of it, 
he needs to be aligned with the Hales. And the Elite are no longer Hales. They're not, they're kind of tweeners. There's some Hailish actions, but they're not full blown babyface. But they're definitely not Hales anymore. Uh, people might want to boo them, but that's because they don't like the Bucks. Um, so I feel like this makes more sense for me personally. You can tell me if you feel different that Don should align himself with the BCC and become their mouthpiece. Interesting notion. I can imagine a world where Don goes solo. And he brought the, the whole notion of the contract thing. So if he ends up sticking around and, and that's not an issue. There's a world where I can see him being on his own and flying solo and just all those seeds of jealousy and all those seeds of doubt kind of play into it, potentially recruiting slash building up a stable of his own type of thing. I can kind of feel and see that in, in my mind. And then the notion of the B, BCC, the Blackpool Combat Club, maybe it's something I fabricated in my brain and I'm willing it into existence, but we have the, I guess, quiet signing of Nigel McGuinness. And I guess in my brain, because of his Ring of Honor connection and his wars with Brian Danielson, for me, I just felt like him being associated with the Blackpool Combat Club made sense in my mind. So then that, maybe that was the piece of maybe Don kind of goes out on his own deal. Obviously, there's nothing to have pointed to any connection of Nigel McGuinness to the Blackpool Combat Club at the time of recording or anything, or allusions made to that, but I don't know, maybe it's just something in my mind made sense to me, but your thought of Don aligning with the BCC, I guess in, you gotta give it to me in kayfabe, and Don has to cut a promo and I guess make it make sense for me with, because the, the betrayal of Kenny and then aligning with that kind of makes sense, but maybe feed me a little bit more and have it work so i could see those both scenarios playing out yeah i actually forgot nigel mcginnis even signed like you said it was a bit of a quiet sort of under the radar uh sort of passing uh thing nigel mcginnis has done an awful lot of good uh content at the the desk uh for a long time and former wrestler just super good uh makes sense 100 makes sense uh i would there is still room for that to happen. And I feel like it starts with Don betraying Kenny Omega and aligning himself with the BCC. And what we can do is we can have a match between the Elite and the BCC at All In. And we can have Nigel McGuinness sort of at the end or during or whatever interfere in that match as well. Uh, you, you know, there's so many moving parts that it could happen. I just feel that as of right now, with the characters that we have involved, I don't think it's it's the correct move to have Don betray Kenny during a feud with the BCC that has been going on for a few weeks now, and then Don just creating a brand new stable of individuals just to sort of gather his measure of uh his measure of revenge against kenny for a, a perceived slight i don't personally see that it just makes more sense that possibly 
as the current mouthpiece, Brian Danielson, uh, is doing a little bit more work that he's not particularly suited to compared to Don Callis. Uh, in the ring, Brian Danielson all day long, baby. Outside the ring, Don Callis a little bit better. He's a bit more weaselly, and I feel like that's the sort of vibe that they're going for. The BCC have went from sort of uh, vigilante anti-heroes to full-blown villains now, um, and I like it. I feel like they need a villain. I don't see Nigel McGuinness as that villain, um, but I do see Don Callis as that villain. And don't forget, we're trying to fill the role of a William Regal here. Um, and that's the sort of comparison you're trying to draw. No one's going to be able to fill William Regal's shoes. Um, but I think the next best thing here for me is Don Callis. What better way to set it up is the betrayal. Fair play. Yeah, you're never going to be able to replace a William Regal just in presence and Mike and ever on promo and all those things and what he just kind of brings to the table even just standing there in the ring with these lads so that's that's good but it's you alluded to the fact that will obviously lead to a match between the elite and the BCC and I'm trying to think of with the four guys in the BCC Mox Danielson Utah and Claudio. We have the three folks in the elite, Kenny and the Bucks. And it reminds me, right, of Kenosuke Takeshita. Before this kind of thing sort of was popping off, Don Callis was recruiting Kenosuke. And we even so much saw as even a couple weeks back, we had that tag match of Kenny and Kenosuke teaming up together. And then towards the end of that, the ending of the match saw a BCC run in. They were mentioning they beat up Kenny and they were like, hey, Kanosuke, you know, you can still join us to sat in a third. But he ended up taking a screwdriver to the head and leaving Kanosuke bloody in the middle of the ring. So I'm wondering maybe does Kanosuke possibly stay semi aligned with the elite? Does he stay with Don? I think that's an interesting factor, perhaps. If that ends up leading down the road, which much likely is to a match between these two groups. Um, Konosuke Takeshita is one of those that I have interest in because he fits in both of these puzzles. He is a puzzle piece that is fitting in the BCC and he's fitting in the Elite. There are also other puzzle pieces that fit in the Elite that don't fit in to the BCC, however. And I feel like if we're going to go down a route of betrayal, then we would have to possibly go down a route of reconciliation. And a route of reconciliation would also lead to Hangman Adam Page, who is currently doing absolutely nothing and also has a little bit of skin in the game with John Moxley. Like he had uh, he had a feud with John Moxley not so long ago. If we're doing a um a sort of team versus team kind of thing anytime in the future, 
that that might reconcile. We might have we might have him there in because he's already part of the elite. Technically, you know, back in the day, he was part of the elite. Um, so I feel like he slots in there a little bit better. But then John has been recruiting Kanosuke, and Kanosuke deserves this shot. Like he deserves to be in this sort of uh, this sort of picture. So yeah, put him with the BCC. Then who do you get to counter him? Because then that's five individuals. Well, there's there's rumors, there's innuendo, there's the possible saucy news of Kota Ibushi, who's a good friend of of uh, Mr. Kenny Omega. But PT, we we've we've now got five guys on one side and five guys on the other. What do you think we should do with that? Notoriously, for team battles in AEW, a little something called blood and guts. And it's definitely a possibility you want to go the team versus team route. And you spoke about the, the likes of a possible four or a five-man team. You got four men already in the BCC. You got three folks currently on the elite side that we know. The interesting notion of adding another person, could it be on the BCC side? Could it be a Kanosuke? We soft threw around the idea of Nigel Guinness, but he's more so, uh, wouldn't be thought of at the moment as a wrestler. So but yeah, I think the, if we're adding folks to the elite side on terms of a blood and gut match, the redemption of sorts and, and a return to the elite of a, of a hangman can make sense with his with his alignment and friendship in the past with the elite as well as his animosity for John Moxley and always Coda, you know, even if the Coda Bushi thing, even if it's sort of a one night or very temporary agreement with Coda in terms of working with AEW. Kenny and Coda Bushi, obviously longtime tag team partners throughout DDT and then eventually New Japan as the Golden Lovers. And of course, let folks not forget the main event of All In 2018 was the Bucks teaming up with Kota Bushi. So there is a friendship. There is some history there. Could this lead to a Blood and Guts match? Perhaps. I'd be 100% down to see that. Would you? Oh, 100%. Like if we got a blood and guts match, I think I'd be okay with it. Um, we could also have one of these stampede matches what we've had before with the you know with the JAS and the elite and everything, um, which actually might be more fun if we're doing it uh, at all in, which might be where we could do this sort of thing. Like we're better to have the Blackpool Combat Club than in England. We're better to you know showcase the elite and you don't have to put them in a trios match because you know they're not currently in a uh in a storyline with the trios champions um then in just a, a match like you would want to have your big stars in a big match wouldn't you so how how much more uh massive do you get than wembley freaking stadium so let's put these boys in the middle of the stadium and let them let them have a fight wherever they want and uh yeah i think that would be fun as well but definitely if we if we had um if we had these teams generate over the next few weeks 
uh, and going into All In, I think that that is definitely a 10-man match that I would love to see. It is clearly going to be a 7 to 15-hour card. Um, at least. That is, at least, because like we have about 30 matches to make. Um, TK will probably you know, announce the first 20 matches, and then over the course of the week before, we'll add the final 10. Uh, so, I mean, having this base match on the card, on a, on a card that actually has no matches, um, would, be, would be good for business. It would definitely be good for business, and I would love to see it. And then, you know, people would go home happy seeing that match. There's definitely potential here. Team Warfare in AEW has seen the likes of a Blood and Guts match. The aforementioned Stadium Stampede, last year's Anarchy in the Arena. So we have grounds for these hectic team-based matchups. And if we get any one of those three, I'd be so in to seeing the Elite as a team take on the BCC. Because these, if we're talking about Blood and Guts or a Stadium Stampede slash Anarchy in the Arena, Either one of these teams has experience in those said matches, so we can see just the craziness ensue, and I think much like the two of us, you folks listening and watching would also be down to see that. So a lot of things potentially can come about of Don Callis' betrayal of Kenny Omega. I think we'd like to see definitely for sure how this is going to play itself out in the coming future. So those were our thoughts from the initial portion of Kenny Omega being portrayed and maybe what it could lead to down the road. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts were on this whole Don Callis and Kenny Omega situation. All right, I'm going to bring it to a close and wind down here. A lot of interesting points brought up, new titles being here, betrayals, big matches being set up on the WWE and the AEW side. A lot to look forward to in the next coming weeks slash months. Yeah, there's uh, quite a few pay-per-views coming up. Uh, can't wait to see them. Can't wait to find out the resolution to some, some storylines. Uh, the Bloodline is definitely not one of those. Still. Um, but you know, we, we'll we'll see Seth Crown Champ, and then you know, we'll see uh, we'll see some other stuff going on. I I feel like right now that this this summer could be really really good with what we have building now between AEW and what AEW has planned for their pay per views uh, over the summer, and what WWE is currently doing with their brand split. This could be a good summer of a uh, good summer of some sports entertainment and wrestling. As we know from we look back last year, we had a lot of things in and outside of the ring happen that led itself to a lot of talking points and hot contention being led into both AEW and WWE. So hopefully there is some fun to be had this coming summer as things flush themselves out as we have big shows around in the North American region, as well as international. So a lot of moving parts in that, and 
Well, begs to be seen how things are going to play out. You know, we have, geez Louise, the Night of Champions. We have the Money in the Bank in the UK. Obviously, SummerSlam is going to be a big show. The All In in the UK as well. The Forbidden Doors upcoming, I believe, in Toronto. So, like, there's a lot of big shows to be had, a lot of things upcoming where we can set up matches and resolve things or create new storylines. So, it's going to be a lot to take in. We're going to try to cover as much as we can and see what good and bad's going to be coming of all of these crazy, crazy shows. Yeah, that is, that is the big thing because, you know, we, we have summer plans too, you know, wrestling, wrestling shows. Like, need to have my own summer here. Don't, don't go throwing too, too freaking much out, out the window and letting it all just sort of uh, fall by the wayside. Make sure it's good. And yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk about it. Of course, couldn't put it better ourselves. For us and for you and for these companies, we got a lot of things lining up for the summer. So hopefully we can enjoy as much as we can. So with that, for TF Joker. Screw you, Don Callis. And for me, Freddy Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.